let's try and put it an episode a week in line for the second anniversary of the podcast, because this is going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of time, and there's going to be absolutely nothing getting in my way of trying to make this into a regular schedule for the month of October. He said as work ramps up into a a 50-hour-a-week slog on top of the fact that it was going to be the last month inside of your release. So, um, phenomenal. Hindsight is 2020, and with that, I welcome you back to Anime on the Sea to Sky after a lengthy hiatus of completely leaving this on the back burner, leading trying to get the most of my amenities in order, lined myself into a new place to live, figuring out the rest of the timeline that my work was going to be setting up into the rest of the year, and thankfully now that all that is set up, I can finally jump back onto the mic and kind of give a couple of good opinions on a lot of the shows that have been coming out over the past six weeks. This season, to put it lightly, is fucking crazy. And before we get to that, I'll at least go through and cover a handful of pieces of news leading into the stuff that's happened over the past month, where it's just personally, I'm kind of nice to see... Because personally, it's kind of nice to see that The World Ends With You, Neo, is actually having another opportunity to have a second birth and getting itself an option to be released on Steam. So now that's going to be lining up, and now that you don't necessarily have to worry about the frame rate and the performance issues that every major 3D title like this converges on in terms of the Switch, I'm actually curious to see that over the next month or two, what the new fidelity and feel that the new game has on a better piece of hardware. So I want to see how this is going to do in terms of what it's going to be able to bring and if anybody else is interested in getting into the series as a whole. But at least in the meantime, for bigger video game releases at that point, well, at least adaptations of popular video games at this point, considering that Ark Knights is going to be getting an anime leading into next year, on top of, at some point, Genshin Impact is also going to be leading in and getting an adaptation itself. So really curious to see how those are going to be going through. I would imagine that not, it's not going to change anybody's perspective on the series. It's just that a lot of people who are fans of the video game that have been playing around for the past year or so is going to have like good time going through and having this being able to be brought to another screen and another medium as a whole, considering that I'm pretty sure that it's being done by Ufotable. Not surprised that they ended up getting that contract for the notoriety that they've been doing with their projects over the past couple of years, but yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, on my end, though, I'm going to have to wait another three months for the sequel season of Birdie Wing to be coming out, considering that that was easily one of my favorite shows last year, just bar none, making the action of actually watching one of the most boring spectator sports inside the entirety of the sports sphere. Sports sphere, what a fucking dumb name for it. Or just the entire, like, scope of sports as a whole. It actually made watching golf enjoyable and exciting, considering how crazy they're able to maneuver everybody inside of the story. Just an, un just an unbelievably fun time, regardless of how much golf that you play or how much knowledge you have of the sport as a whole. Considering how crazy it is and how colorful the cast is and how charming they're able to go through and make the majority of their relationships outside of this series, it's just a really fun time. And I can't wait to see what they're going to be able to do with the lead-up doubles tournament that's going to be bringing into next season. On top of that, I finally have a date for the laid-back camp film that we're finally going to be able to go through that's going to be displayed on Crunchyroll. And on top of that, we're going to be getting not only the Eurocamp film, but sort of online the movie Progressive, Aria of a Starless Night. Both of those are going to be popping up on the service November 24th. And even before that, you're going to not only get the original Psychopass movie, but Origin Spirits of the Past as well as King of Thorns, also coming to the service down on November 17th. 
So that'll be relatively new, but I'm just glad considering that I was curious when we were actually going to have the opportunity to get this film. I do know that it's going to be displayed at New York Comic Con or something, or a con related to it, either the 19th or the 20th of November. So you'll have at least an opportunity to go see that and be one of the first to go if you are ending up to head to the con later this month. But I'm just going to be excited to see what they're able to bring to the table and what it's going to be going through at least towards the end of the month. Whether it's a look to the future as a side story or it's going to be something that's going to bridge between seasons two and three, only time will tell. But I'm honestly glad that on top of the fact that we're going to be able to see Yuru Camp this month, we're also going to have confirmation of Yuru Camp's third season that's either going to be coming out later next year or sometime in early 2024. But considering that we're going to be having much more atmospheric and soothing vibes that this show has been able to bring us over the past two seasons with the movie on the horizon, I'm really glad to see that it's still gains more and more opportunities to bring us back into its world and make us a little more comfy. Kind of surprised that it's been this long though since now that Hyoka is 10 years old they're going to be announcing a 10th anniversary concert. I highly doubt that there's going to be any announcements leading to any more additional content for the series as a whole even though now I think we've got two new novels that have been out over the past 10 years on top of the fact that the manga itself has gotten further into the story as a whole, and so at least we have the opportunity to get glimpses and pictures of what the events foretold in the novels that we have the opportunity to get. But at this point in time, the fact that it's actually been 10 years, not only since I actually started watching anime as a whole, but that it's been 10 years since Kyoto Animation has been able to bring this show out to the forefront, and it's still being my favorite Kyoto Animation work as a whole, I'm really glad to see that they're still giving it the remembrance that it deserves and having more opportunities for people to get into the show as a whole. And now that it's fully out on Disney Plus and Hulu, I'll at least be able to say that the next episode I'm going to do is going to be focusing mostly on the Tatami Galaxy as well as the new OVA movie just additive story that they were able to bring into this new project called Tatami Time Machine Blues. Overall, I really enjoyed it, and I will have more opportunities to talk about it in the next episode, but now, before I end up get, having the opportunity to record this into an episode, I would definitely recommend giving it a watch either on Hulu or Disney+, Plus. now that it's finally out of jail, and now that everybody has the opportunity to go through and see what this is going through. Because on top of everything else, it's like, I'm pretty sure this came out, like, back in September. Yeah, September 14th on Disney+, Plus Japan. But now we have an opportunity to go through and see this streamed out in North America, legally of course. But it's now out. Whether or not you treat this as a movie or treat this as a set of OVAs, which you can do since it's six episodes long, up to you. But if you enjoyed Tommy Galaxy, then I would definitely recommend going and giving this a watch as well. Now, when I said this season was fucking crazy, I meant it. I don't think I have ever watched this many shows in one season since back when I started this in 2012-2013. Considering that normally it was like, oh, well, I'm just going to go through, watch as many shows as possible so I can figure out my strike zone and figure out the kind of shows that I enjoy and try to figure out something along my, the lines for me to keep going and get myself more invested in the medium as a whole. Back then, I'm pretty sure the most series that I started... It's not, because I know that people these days, like, there are still people getting into it and still veterans that, like, watch this amount of shows, but at this point in time, the most shows I remember starting in a season was closer to about 24, and in this case, I was able to go through and have the opportunity to start 18, the closest I've ever been able to leading up to this. Now, 
even though I started 18, the major shows that I won't be able to talk about because I didn't necessarily give them a shot and I don't really have any interest in, but I will acknowledge them just for their fa- either their fan base or just the slight bit of popularity that they've been getting as a whole. The sword Isekai, the dude who gets transformed into a sword, I just, same deal, Isekai, I do not give a shit. Eminence of Shadow, I'm now glad to know that the joke where the dude is easily swayed by money damn straight. I'm glad to know that this is the show that it came from, and that's honestly all I need from him because there's no real reason for me to jump into this as a whole based on the tropes and as well as the kind of show that it is leading into it. So sure, it looks like it has some funny moments through screenshots, but there's, I don't know, there's just no way I'm going to have the opportunity to get through this. Um, Same deal, Yoabushi Petal is getting its fifth season on top of every other sequel that's been coming out this season. I have not started it. It's definitely not in my wheelhouse for sure when it comes to cycling, even though there are even more niche sports that I've been able to go through and interact with over the past couple of years, but it's just never really jumped into it. I'm really glad that because of how little this show is getting acknowledged, especially in terms of what it really is, because I've been reading the manga or like catching or keeping up with it kind of, it's just not really a priority. I'm just glad that they finally got to it. But the fact that um, Uzaki-chan season two is being just so swept under the rug is it's not it's not that I'm glad that it's that's just not as popular as it was before it's just considering that I think it came out what was it I think the first season came out in 2020 so the fact that it was no it had got any notoriety at all considering how little was coming out around that time definitely makes sense and now that it's been two years it's just oh yeah especially with the season that it's in now the complete inverse effect where it's just, oh, the first season's going to come out in a sea of mediocrity where there's barely anything to watch and because of something that it does slightly differently, it's going to have the opportunity to uh, show us a little bit of its metal and try to give it a new spin on the rom-com genre. And then season two comes out into easily the most stacked season of anime just in the whole 21st century, like just period. I, I can't remember a season of anime that has ever been this stacked before ever i'm pretty sure either 2015 or 2016 there was a good contender for runners up on the rest of it but if this season was the only season that we got for the entire year i don't think anybody would complain especially with not only is it going through and bringing back highly acclaimed sequels to a lot of popular shows as well as a lot of good new projects both adaptations and initial seasons for a handful of shows as well as a good bunch of originals that are having their time to shine in the limelight regardless of the competition that it's able to go through it is fucking crazy oh yeah sorry um and i and i guess the last two iruma-kun is getting its third season i've heard nothing but good things about the rom-com devil school parody that it's been able to go through and i it looks like i would like the style looks like i would like the comedy and it looks like i would like the main couple but it's definitely not something that's too high on my priority list but maybe at some point in the future closer to its end i'll give it a shot same deal but i feel a lot more strongly that this would be a much more up my alley is that golden kamui season four is also coming out this season and even though i have not started on it beyond ghibli ended up doing a fantastic introductory video on it which got me massively invested in what kind of story that this is trying to tell as well as the setting that it's able to go through and without a doubt the things I've heard from the colorful cast of characters that this show introduces 
just seems like it is so fucking hammy and campy that it is right up my alley that if I had any opportunity to give this show a watch, I feel like I would love it. It's just that it's not something that's close to being finished. Well, it's, it's more than halfway through. And I'm really curious to see, considering that the author of this story is not only coming to a close on Golden Kamui as well, but he's also going to be going back and doing a remake slash re-release of his initial manga, which is based on a hockey team in Hokkaido. Based on how I felt about uh, Pride of Orange, that is a phenomenal piece of news that we're actually going to have an opportunity to go through and have a proper hockey manga coming back into circulation, and I am really excited to see how it's going to go, but... I'm also going to be really excited to see what people's reactions are to the conclusion of Golden Kamui. And same deal as Iruma, the closer this gets to the conclusion of its story, the more of a chance that I'm going to have to actually go through and watch it. But now instead of talking about shows that I decided not even to give the time of day, I think I should probably get into the shows that I'm actually watching this season. And sorry, I'm just going to continue on with the ramping up of... The shows that I tried and just didn't really get into it. I would like to give at least kind of just recognition to Orisa Yatra or just the remake of Space Invader Lum that finally ended up getting its adaptation. Considering what David Productions was able to do with JoJo's, the fact that they're able to go through and breathe new life into this franchise honestly just gives more than enough of a credit to their ability as a whole, especially when it comes to classic stories like this. I really wanted to like it, especially I got really excited and hyped up after I ended up watching the British dub of the original uh, Ursa Yatsura series that ended up coming back in the 90s, and that was extremely hilarious. If there's anything that I could give of a recommendation for this series is to actually go and watch the highlight compilations on YouTube because that shit is hilarious and it adds so much just color to that world as the new remake does itself. But I will admit, it's just, it's nice to know where all of the classic rom-com tropes came from, and especially when it comes to Rumiko Takahashi's work, and it's nice to have that knowledge, but four episodes in, and I couldn't really figure out, because it's, it's definitely something that is so outside of my strike zone, especially with the kind of tropes that it ends up going. It's like, okay, nice, I know where these tropes come from. Still doesn't change my mind that I still absolutely hate them. So all the rom-com stuff, considering that there is no end in sight, and then we're going to keep introducing characters from the original manga, and we're going to keep like going through with this endless cycle, considering it's only going to be 50 episodes, I believe, so they'll be able to at least focus on the good parts of what the original manga had to offer and didn't have to essentially stretch it out into a production that had to keep lining up with the manga and to keep the sales up, that it could become better as its own thing as it uh, like goes towards its conclusion, but I don't think for the moment that I'll stick around and just try and go through it week by week, because I was even going through that at two times speed, and I was like, even, I, I have more than enough time for the jokes to land, but none of it really definitely seems to be hitting well for me, so I'll just kind of leave that as is. Same deal with uh, To Your Eternity second season. It was the final show uh, to come out, at least in terms of the scheduling for the fall, I was very lukewarm about the initial series as a whole. It's weird considering that I, I had the very same thing with Fire Force's first season, where both To Your Eternity and Fire Force I watched entirely to completion, at least for their first season, 
but it was something that I felt like I had to drag myself through leading into it. A lot of people, I would imagine, feel a lot more strongly to To Your Eternity, especially with the kind of just drama and horror that it ends up bringing, where I'm, it's like, yeah, I'm curious about the world itself and how that's going to be moving forward and how much more time we get inside of the story. But considering how little I care about not only the main character and his goal, but the fact that the cycle that we continuously get into where it's just, oh, hey, here's a new group of people. 90% of them are going to die by the time we reach the end of this five to six episode arc. So I'm, so I'm going to tell you to care about these people because when they inevitably die five to six episodes in, I'm going to want you to feel sad so I can go and repeat this cycle over and over again to kind of give a Pavlov's dog effect. And hopefully you'll be able to at least have the opportunity to just get stuck in this loop and continue watching. And unfortunately I did because the second 10 episodes of the first season got better, especially with Gugu, because I was really curious about how he was going to translate as a character. And then I just realized that, wow, they, oh yeah, they're just going to keep doing this thing over and over again. And not every character that they introduce into a new cycle, into a new arc, is going to be as interesting or compelling as to what the rest of the characters are. So it's just, I really do not care. And that is, at the end of the day, the biggest reason why I ended up dropping this I think three or four episodes in after the first mini arc that we end up getting to reintroduce the main characters and such, I did not care, especially with the fact that they are now going to be jumping timelines, they're going to jump decades by decades by decades, and if you were expecting me to go through and just attach myself to another new set of characters who are not going to be interesting and are not going to have any like major character traits, it's just, it is so mind-numbingly boring at times, where it's just, all right, uh, I, I can't even remember the main dude's name. It like Mushi, Yushi, so, something along those lines, but it's just endless, like an eternity of going through this cycle where it's going to be group of characters die, group of characters die, group of characters die. Do you feel sad yet? And it's just, no, maybe I felt sad for Gugu, but then everybody else, dude, I could not give a shit. So I tried getting into the second season to your eternity, and I think I'm just going to let Sleeping Dogs lie and just give that a pass and let that go and see what essentially happens leading into it, because I ended up jumping out of the show just before Mr. Pompadour ended up showing up, and I really don't know if that is a good or a bad decision, but only time will tell. The ones that I have the least to say about are probably Yamano Susume's fourth season, because it's another, like, Yashike sort of show where it's, you know, cute girls doing hiking things, and it's it's honestly nice, to go through and have the opportunity to go to watch it. It's just the first three episodes were all recaps of each individual season. So the first three episodes were just like, oh, great. It's we're just going to be recapping everything up to this point. And so by the time we get to the fourth and fifth episodes, which are nice and charming, I was really getting strained to even get to that point. But thankfully, now we're actually going through and getting new content. It's not as comfy as, say, your camp, but it's still a comfy show nonetheless, which does give a decent bit of motivation and seeing all the characters come together to help one another, especially one of the main girls, try and get herself and make herself into a better climber, into a better person, and have the opportunity to get the stamina to re-challenge Mount Fuji, even though she wasn't able to succeed earlier. And yeah, it, I, I would only recommend this to somebody if it's like you're really looking for something that's either comfy or something that you haven't really seen before. The first three seasons are good because all the episodes are like 6 to 12 minutes each, so it's a really quick binge. 
But yeah, it's fine. It, it is a fine show. Uh, let's see. Right, Berserk's Golden Age trilogy films. I've fallen off over a couple of weeks because basically what they're doing is rehashing all of the original uh, Golden Age films that were put on Netflix into a weekly serialized television show, and they're adding a couple of minutes of new footage and new things to try and make this. In hindsight, now that I think about it, it'll be a good way to bring people into this. I understand that the late Kentaro Miura has passed, and they're trying to have the opportunity to get more opportunities and to get more things animated into his work, which for something that isn't Berserk 2016 or isn't Berserk 2018. And it's nice. This could have an opportunity to be a better way to get people into this. Like, it's if you're saying where it's just, okay, instead of watching these three films, you can now watch this 12-episode series, which is basically the same three films, but it fills in a little more gaps because it was given a little more time as the TV schedule dictated. But now it's you have the opportunity to go through and re-experience this Golden Age arc in a televised format similar to the original one that came out in 95. And I still think the 95 one is better, but having this, op uh, this alternative is also a good thing as well. And I'm glad to see that JoJo is going to be getting its final third core for JoJo Part 5 coming in December, so I'm really curious. I've been catching those up when, as I've been on the treadmill, and having the opportunity to watch a couple of anime episodes while doing cardio is a fantastic way to keep yourself up and keep your exercises going. I'm 20 episodes in, so I'm about halfway through the second core of Part 5. I am honestly entertained for the rest of it. I'm liking this more than I did Part 4. So I'm just really... Actually, hold on. I'm getting this mixed up. No, sorry. Part 6. So the new uh, second core of Part 6, I like it more than Part 5. I like it more than Golden Win off the start. Uh, and I'm really curious, based on the hints that they have been showing leading into the final third of this series in the final half, whether or not they pull the trigger on who they're ending up... on who they're going to have to end up fighting next, I'm really curious to see how that's going to pop up. But... Just gonna have to wait and see. Leading into another sequel. Well, eh, sequel, I guess, but it's just mostly the second core of Spy Family. It's... don't really have a lot to say about it. It's more Spy Family. If you like more Spy Family, then you're still gonna like this. For me, it's a... it's a great adaptation of currently what is a fine point in the manga. It's great that we end up finally getting Bond a part of the family and we actually have the dog joining the fray, but it's just that I never really... I liked getting into Spy Family initially. It was one of the manga or the Shonen Jump manga that I ended up getting in on the ground floor at before the big adaptation ended up coming through. To be fair, the best part about the second core of this season so far is that the opening from Bump of Chicken is phenomenal. I absolutely adore this opening on top of like how good the animation is at least for the initial one. It's the first one is a little more stylistic and it matches the series a little better, but I re in if anything, I love the song choice for the second one and I've been consistently listening to that since it's already on Spotify. So uh, take of that what you will and have the opportunity to go and add that to your Spotify plays for the rest of it, but it's still Spy Family. It's still good. Not a lot to say about it. Pop Team Epic, though, <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've revisited this, and I definitely really enjoyed the first season with how fucking chaotic it is. I understand, like, how a lot of people 
don't really like it and think a lot of the humor is like way too off the wall and haha lol xd random but how it's been able to go through and have a really decent batting average on a lot of the jokes and a lot of the skits that they've been able to do especially with what they've been able to pull off in the second season I'm just really excited to see what, like, new pieces they were able to go through. They ended up finally coming through with the Hellshake Yano segment that they turned into an entire goddamn episode halfway through the season, and I was just losing my mind throughout the entirety of it, because I knew it's like, okay, this is still going. Wait, they're going... I thought this was only going to be six minutes. Wait, you're telling me that the entire 12-minute segment is going to be an, a an ACBU Hellshake Yano full episode? which was absolutely fucking insane. It, like, that that entire bit was just phenomenal. And the mini set pieces, as well as the different animation studios and directors that they've been able to go through and have the opportunity to make their own individual stories pop, whether it's on a train, whether it's a mecha parody, whether it's a romantic, yaoi, b-side romance plot, it's still phenomenal what it's been able to accomplish thus far. And I'm really excited to see where exactly it's going to go leading towards the end of the series where we're definitely going to be jumping back into a couple of live action segments without a doubt. Now jumping into the shonen portion of the sequels, we finally end up having the sixth season of My Hero Academia, which I can totally understand if a lot of people jumped off the boat um, in season five considering with how up and down that season was. And I can't really be somebody to say, oh, well, no, don't worry, this sixth season, this is the big one, this is going to be the big fight. It's going to be a whole war inside of the superhero society where everything's going to be put on the line and it's going to be a huge set piece and everything's going to happen. And I can totally understand why nobody would be interested in that. And it's like, dude, we're six seasons into this superhero show and it's already been flubbing a lot of the adaptation that it's been able to go through in both seasons four and five so what exactly are you going can what can you even promise to bring anybody back into the fold into like convincing anybody to jump back into the series that time and time again has kind of just flip-flopped in quality as well as just not giving proper arcs the time that they deserved and also just swapping things around for a movie's sake why would we ever have like why would we even listen to anybody saying like oh yeah we're now like what 120 episodes in and it's like oh don't worry this is the big one and it's just i can totally understand i can totally understand why nobody would want to get back into this and i will and i would say the only thing that i can say about this new season is that i'm still enjoying it um it started off with a bang it's hitting all the beats correctly, everything's like being pushed into motion, and it's been a while since I've read this part, so I'm really curious to see how I'm going to be surprised in between major points of this story, and if you don't get anything out of season six, then you know what, it's that's totally fine, because I do believe that this is the last hurrah for a lot of people, where if they don't get this right, then they're just gonna like just go cold turkey for the series as a whole. I've been keeping up with the manga as of late, and I do believe that these, at least this arc, is one of the strongest arcs that the series has had, especially the follow-up, where normally Horikoshi basically just flip-flops, where it's like you have a good arc, and then a bad arc, and then a good arc, and a bad arc, and he always like flip-flops, never having like two good ones in a row, where I do believe that 
season six is going to have two good like those two the rare occasion where he's where he actually is able to bring all of his ideas together not only in style and substance but as well as the set pieces that he's going to be able to implement inside of this season as a whole is probably going to be the biggest my hero is ever going to get for the rest of the series because if anybody's been going a lot of people have been lukewarm about the most recent arc now that the show is coming to an end i'd probably say by the end of 2023 for sure this manga is going to end it's definitely got less than 50 chapters left in it, that's for sure. And so it's going to be an end of an era where you're not only going to have no more Demon Slayer, you're going to have no more My Hero. And it's going to be really interesting to see what exactly Shonen Jump does to fill in the blanks. But for now, I'm still enjoying it. I was very, you know, hot and cold about Season 5, but so far Season 6 has been able to go through and build on the moments that I've been waiting to see adapted for a number of years. So I'm still enjoying it. If you just want to jump off, that's totally understandable considering that this is probably going to be the last time that My Hero is going to have the highs that it was able to go through the start of its run. So really curious to see how these are going to translate. I'm really curious to see what Yudapon is going to be able to animate in this season. I would imagine he's going to have the big fight in the first half and then a smaller fight in the second half. But I'm curious to see which one he's going to be able to go through because he hasn't had the opportunity to go on any main fight since season four. Because, I mean, in season five, he ended up getting a really random Mudman versus Ida fight. And he ended up getting that cut. And then he ended up doing a cut between Shigaraki and Destro's son, uh, Mr. Penguin which didn't really wow me as much as his other works did, because the two cuts that he got in the second and third movies were phenomenal. And we just recently got the cut of his for another series that I'm going to be talking about later, and it still doesn't hit as hard as his previous cuts did for these series as a whole, but I don't know. I'm really curious to see what two cuts he's going to be able to get through with this core in My Hero, and if it's going to be able to elevate the source that it's been waiting so long to adapt. And just like that, we've been waiting a long, long while for anything of this series in particular to come out, and that is Bleach the Thousand Year Blood War. So far, it's... Because, yeah, my, my relationship with Bleach is kind of one that's filled with holes. I didn't get into it on the like uh, it was so far like into the 2000s that i didn't have the opportunity to start uh watching it from you know start to finish the only three arcs that i ended up watching from bleach is that i went through all the soul society arc where they go and rescue rukia i watched the aizen arc where they finally have the final battle and uh, ichigo ends up pulling off his mugetsu and losing his powers and then i ended up jumping while the show was airing back in 2012, I was able to at least watch the final arc or the previous arc before the series ended up getting taken off the air. I was able to watch that entire arc from start to finish. So I've only seen, realistically, like 75 episodes of Bleach, and I don't have all of the pieces at my disposal, but it's still more than enough for me to at least have the opportunity to be connected to these characters at all. And so far, 
they it really seemed like they just blew their load in the first episode as a whole because in the first episode you get a remixed version of number one you get the original four going through and fighting hollows together and you get bleach pulling out his bankai and pulling off a gets a getensho and that was all like in the first half of the first episode and it's just oh no you kind of just played all those cards with ishigo but Thankfully, it does seem that because this is going to be something that is in a war involving all of Soul Society and all the Quincy's, it'll it'll give us the opportunity to at least have every other captain and major character of the squad have the opportunity to, you know, give us their own moment of either triumph or defeat, depending on how Kuba was feeling at the time. So I'm kind of excited to see what the fights are going to be like, because it's definitely going to be, you know, fight after fight after fight after fight with what it seems to be, especially with the amount of, they, like, what is it? They had a Steinritter for every letter of the alphabet plus the king, and it's just, okay, well, this is going to be quite a few that they're going to have to deal with. So I'm kind of excited to see how the rest of this is going to go. I mean, call me crazy, but it's still fun to see, like, the classic shows of the big three have the opportunity to go and make their own stand in the modern anime era and even though naruto has already been set and done the fact that this was the season that we were finally able to go through and have the opportunity to have not only naruto but ichigo and luffy all on television in the same season for the first time in over a decade and honestly for me that is a phenomenal experience to hold and have the opportunity to go and revisit that and re-experience it I am delighted and really glad to see and have the opportunity to experience that one more time. Now, another one where I'm really curious to see how it's going to end, because a lot of people were saying that there was no way that there was enough space for this series to have its final core and to have a third season as a whole, Mob Psycho 100. And we are currently halfway through the season, about what is supposed to be halfway through the season, but we have no idea how many episodes this, this final season gets as a whole. Based on what people were talking about, I would have guessed that this season itself would have only gotten 10 episodes, I would say. It seems about right, because a lot of people were going... Because we got up to, like, chapter 86 or 90 out of 100 by the end of season 2. And so now it's like, okay, where the fuck do you go from here? And it's like, well, yeah, there, we already got to 90 chapters into the manga out of 100... But when I say it's 90 out of 100, it's more like 90 out of 125, considering that, what is it, Mob ended up, or not Mob, one basically was like, all right, here's uh, chapter 99, and 99.1, 99.2, 99.3, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I think there was like 99.21 leading into it, and then finally, the last chapter that he put out of the manga was chapter 100. And so... It gave, it gave me the opportunity to think that's like, okay, so if they just add a little bit of tweaks and a little bit of extra content, then I would see no problem with them having the opportunity to get 10 episodes into a final season, which is more than enough to lead the rest of us for a satisfying conclusion. And so far, it has been good. It's not great. It's not like as amazing as season two was. I still believe that Mob Psycho season two is probably one of the best seasons of anime in the past 10 years, period, where season one was a little bit, like, I, I really thought season one was, like, really good. I think season one for me was an 8 out of 10, and so far, halfway through the, the third season of Mob Psycho, it's, I'm kind of getting the same quality and the same feels as the first season, where it's like an 8 out of 10, it's just not as good as the second season. But 
We still don't know what the end of the series holds. We still don't know how the rest of this is going to turn out. To be fair, we already hit the midpoint and it was an incredibly emotional climax to a relationship of a set of characters. And the more and more I think about it and the more and more I have time to stew on what their relationship was and what it meant, it, it was a phenomenal piece to add to this story. And I am really glad to see how they were able to pull that off. And I'm just... I don't know what the future holds for this series. I'm just hoping that it's able to solidify itself as one of the mainstays as a modern classic in the shonen genre and stick the landing to give itself the notoriety and just the praise that it so righteously deserves. All right, that's all the sequels. Now I just got to go through the rest of the adaptations in the original stuff, or at least the first seasons. So... Of all of them, that is probably the weakest is currently Blue Lock, because at least on the R anime subreddit, so frequently do I get screenshots of a lot of the panels from Blue Lock, and it's like the way that they draw the faces of that series, especially when they're leading in towards an incredibly tense or dramatic moment, towards a goal, towards a pass, towards a big play that changes the outcome of the game. The faces and the screenshots that I've seen from this manga are just absolutely phenomenal. And they're close in the anime adaptation. There is no way I could watch this series without turning it to one and a half times speed. Like, there's just, I, I don't know, there's no way... A lot of the times they have to CG a handful of the players on the pitch, which is understandable because there's a lot of players you have to go through and manage whenever you're animating at least a soccer anime for sure, or any sports anime in general. So it is a little distracting, I would imagine, on one time speed, but one and a half is definitely helping me get through this. I'm waiting for the other cleat to drop in this case. I'm really hoping to see that there is a lot of major standout moments towards the second half because so far, the first half is just kinda Danganronpa with soccer, and I didn't like Danganronpa too much. And it's just this kind of over-the-top setup you would seem to think is right up my alley because I love the hammy and corny over-the-top, but this is more like edgy over-the-top stuff. There is a demon in me. <laughs> it's just, okay... Dude, we get it. There's a demon in all of you, and it's and they're trying to bring that out in order to move themselves forward through Blue Lock. I have no fucking idea, but, oh boy. It's, it's just that kind of campy stuff that doesn't really resonate too much with me, so it's just, it's teetering on the edge. I don't really know what to think about it. I'm going to watch the rest of the season. It's still holding on enough to get me interested and I'm really hoping that at some point in time through the rest of the season we get an extremely hype moment that at least pays off the amount of patience that a lot of people have been getting into this series for so I don't know we'll see. Yua Serufu. I hate that fucking pun name but it's gotten better as time goes on so DIY do it yourself it wasn't really the best start for me, considering that I didn't watch much of the trailers for it. I just saw a lot of the concept art and it was like, oh, this character design, she's got band-aids all over her, so it definitely seems like she's this kind of character that really wants to get stuff done with her own hands, and she's really efficient with tools, and she knows her way around um, a work shed to be able to go through and get the materials and create whatever she needs to it. And in reality, the main character is so goddamn clumsy that she has a near-perfect attendance record to going to the nurse's office every single fucking day at school, and she can't even handle power tools correctly. 
I was just, oh my god, this is not as comfy as I was expecting it to be, and there is no fucking way that I want this girl to take hold of any other power tools ever again. Keep that as far away from her as possible, because if she is so clumsy and injury-prone without tools at her disposal, I just really don't want her to lose a goddamn finger by the time we hit episode 12. Thankfully, as the characters have been getting together and the group starts to expand, the way that they've been able to go through and bounce off each other is getting a lot more charming. Especially, it just seems like the introduction of every character is the time where I have the biggest problem with it, because it's just, oh, on their own, it's not really that fun or enjoyable to see these people around because they just don't really have the opportunity to blend or communicate well with each other, but give it another episode and they are just right as rain and they just slide right into the group perfectly. Or they slide into the group dynamic perfectly, sorry. But it's just seems that way with every character because you have, I don't know, you just have the clumsy uh, main, you've got the shy and timid secondary, then you have the child genius prodigy who also speaks a lot of English because I'm, I'm th I think they're American, um, the foreign exchange student, and then finally we're trying to get the Sun 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 Sundre main best friend who is so over the top in, in the fact that it's like, why are you two friends to begin with? Like, how the fuck did you like, deal with each other leading into over the past couple of years, especially after the fact that you ended up getting into different schools because the other one was so goddamn lazy. And so every single time you interact with her, you have nothing but just hurtful and biting and spiteful things to say. It's like, Christ, tone down the sun, please. And just join the group and, like, have fun with the rest of it. And so it definitely seems like it's going towards that way, especially with how they are in the opening. Like, that's going to be a foregone conclusion, but... The amount of time it's taken for her to get into the group dynamic and she just still hates almost every second of it is just it was, it was kind of like irking and annoying to get used to but now it definitely seems like we're halfway in the group dynamic is solidified everybody is having a lot of fun with each other and it's gotten a lot better i was really concerned in the in the initial bit but if you're looking for like a nice diy soothing comforting show that'll get you you know inspired to at least go and do some crafting of your own, then sure, I would definitely give Do-It-Yourself a solid recommendation to anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to watch it. Now, I don't want to say anything about this next show, because the more blind you are leading into this, because the less you know about this show, the better leading into it. I mean, Akiba made war, it's... That's all I can say, and to keep your expectation down on the ground floor, it's like, oh, it is a late 90s original anime about maids, and how the maids interact with the world inside of Akihabara, inside of Akihabara, and how the majority of that moves forward, and what they, and how they interact with the rest of it, where it's like you've got maids that are in their 30s, maids that are in their teens, maid managers that are absolute irredeemable pieces of shit but they somehow keep getting away with it it's i don't know i don't really want to give too much away about the show but if you want something that is so far removed and different than anything that we've got this season i would definitely recommend akiba made war just go in blind and have the opportunity to go and see it with a fresh pair of eyes i don't think you'll be disappointed now, for an original, well, no, not an original, an adaptation of something that I actually want to talk about, because both 
Bochi the Rock and Akiba Made War were the two shows leading into this season that I had absolutely no expectations for and knew absolutely nothing about. In fact, I was more turned off by Bochi the Rock in the first place because it's just, oh, high schooler joins a band of four and they, they're not learning how to play guitar. They know how to play guitar, but it's just they are so ridiculously introverted and inept at communication and conversation that, this, that Bochi has no fucking idea how to go through and move forward and communicate with people outside of playing guitar. And normally that would be a recipe for disaster. It's one of the main reasons why I ended up dropping Hitori Bochi, considering that it's just like, oh, I'm only supposed to feel pity for this character and she is not engaging. She's only slightly cute and only sometimes do the jokes land with the rest of the ensemble cast that they have, but the majority of the time it just falls incredibly flat. Bochi the Rock, on the other hand, the creative ways that they're able to go about setting up these scenarios and all the comedy and all the back and forth between the characters and what they're able to accomplish with the dynamic that they've got going on with the rest of the characters is so fucking funny. It's easily the best time I have with any show this season because, I mean, there are much more higher profile shows that I'll definitely get into. And there are definitely a couple of seasonals that I'm really excited to see how they're going to end. But Bochi is just, it's not Iyashi K, but it's a show that I really enjoy spending time with. And just getting into not only the mindset of the group dynamic, as well as the characters themselves. Because for Bochi's case, it's sometimes a little too easy to get into her mindset, for sure. And it gets a little too real and a little too oh my god, that's me, IRL, kind of moments, which a lot of people have been pointing out over the past couple of weeks. But you know what? It is such a fun and funny time. The directing of this show makes the jokes land so much harder, and they do such a phenomenal job at setting up not only the build-up and the payoff of every single dynamic, as well as every single motion and event that happens inside of these shows, I really like the, I think it's a mat, more of a math rock than a regular indie rock sort of band. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure the new character that we ended up meeting, she's a part of an indie rock group, so at least there's that. But just the way that they swap animation styles, the way that they bounce back and forth between the characters, just how they take every trend and trope that you would assume to, to fit characters of this dynamic and demographic and then just not only twist them and inverse them but then just crank it all the way up to 11 when the scene demands it and just not only switching the styles but then just jumping so far out of the realm of what like regular animation is and it's just like no you know what we're just gonna throw in some like live action footage as well just to substitute something that happens inside of the show and it does a better job than you could have done animating any other way inside of the show and it makes the jokes just so much funnier by comparison it's just i don't know it is like it is a comedy first and foremost but you also like you with, with the same feelings with kaon where people have been saying it's oh yeah it's a toribochi and it's kaon and mixed up but what the series is able to accomplish on its own merit especially with just the craft and the experience that the people making this show like especially when it comes to the music that they perform is just so phenomenally well put together and they've been putting out all their songs the ops the eds the insert tracks they've been doing it on youtube and they have been 
really enjoyable to listen to even outside of the show. But I mean, you know, person by person, it just all depends on what your taste in music is, where some will like it and some won't. But it is just so up my alley and so far inside my strike zone that it's just easily my favorite show to watch week by week. Because I know I'm going to have a good time. I know that I'm going to laugh my ass off. And I know that there's going to be a lot of good pieces of not only comedy, but scenarios and set pieces that I don't really have the, or I don't just get to see a lot in anime period. So I'm really happy that this show itself, it's been gaining more traction and more popularity as the season goes on in the middle of a plethora of amazing sequels and adaptations and original pieces. I'm just glad that it is sitting near the top of the list and more and more people are getting into it because it is honestly just such a fun time and I would definitely give it a recommendation if it is anywhere inside of your wheelhouse. And hopefully you'll have as much fun as I'm having with it. Now... Original, I guess, I can't remember if they ended up doing a spin-off manga or what they were able to go through and lead into it, but we are now getting the first female lead in a Gundam franchise in Gundam Witch for Mercury. And so far, it has been really enjoyable. The, the only prerequisite you have to go through, you don't have to know a single thing about Gundam, just or, or just the type of weapons that they use, the different models, the new types, and all that other stuff, you can go into this completely blind off the sense that this is literally just uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena with mechs. It's, it is just so fun to see all the characters like bounce off the rest of the pieces of that story. It's I'm really concerned about the future of a lot of characters, considering that this is still a Gundam story. This is still a story that is happening in the midst of an interspatial war that also has spacism between people born in space and people born on Earth. It's just like... All the same kind of uh, ideas that a regular Gundam goes through, but the mystery is that it's still able to incorporate all of the classic threads and tropes that you still get in a regular Gundam property are still here, but used in more creative as well as interesting ways to kind of change up the dynamic with a lot of the characters. And so I'm really curious to see how that's going to be playing out through the rest of it, considering that the mech fights are good, the animation is great, the prologue is easily the best litmus test for anybody looking to get into it, where it's just, oh, it's Gundam, and sure, it's a female pilot, and sure, there is, you know, uh, potential relationships leading into it involved, but the fact that you can just go into this completely blind is a phenomenal piece, as well as, a, as, well as it shows how good of a job the prologue actually is in getting you up to speed with the happenings of the world, what kind of system governs it, and what exactly is prioritized, especially in the midst of a spatial conflict that is driven by war and profiteering and capitalism. So it has been doing a fantastic job with the characters and the stories that it's able to implement. I love everybody involved in this cast, considering that the cast itself is bloated and we haven't had the opportunity to go and explore their backstories and their depth yet. But we've got more than enough time, there's more than enough opportunities to go through and keep the story moving forward, because so far the first six episodes have been great, a really enjoyable watch, I've been excited to see what this show throws at me next, and I'm, the only thing I'm curious about and concerned about is what it's going to do in its second half, because I'm pretty sure this show is going to have either 24 or 25 episodes, but judging by the way that previous Gundam properties have gone, Gundam Unicorn, Iron-Blooded Orphans, 
a lot of people have been saying that in those shows where I also did feel it a bit in Unicorn because all I've seen is Gundam Unicorn and Gundam Thunderbolt. And apparently in even the more modern Gundam adaptations where it has a very, very strong first half and a, just not an abysmal, but they end up just dropping the ball on the second half of the story because they don't really know to take all the ideas and all the conflicts and all the characters and what they've been able to build them up to and just conclude the story in a satisfying way. And it's not only happened once, it's happened two to three times over the past 20 years. And so that's the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about. Outside of this, if I'm ever going to be jumping back into watching anything Gundam-related, I do have <laughs> Gundam G-Fighters, because it definitely seems like something that's so campy that it is right up my alley, since it's literally just a Gundam fighting tournament with different mechs, like, representing different countries, like different Dutch companies, Swedish countries... African countries, North American countries, just all these crazy things that happens in a 90s fighting tournament like they would. I'm really excited to see how that's going to turn out. But if I wanted a more traditional Gundam story, I've heard a lot of good recommendations for Gundam The Origin if you wanted to jump into that. Although I do believe it's about 50 episodes or more, so your time will vary on that. And I've heard nothing but good recommendations for it at least, so there is that. But for now... Gundam Witch from Mercury has been a really enjoyable time setting up a lot of mysteries and building up a lot of events that are going to be popping up later in the story and I really just hope that it keeps doing this all the way through and the second half is just as satisfying as the first half that we've been given. So, you want to talk about Chainsaw Man? I really like it. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I really have been enjoying the first uh, six episodes of Chainsaw Man so far. Six or five. Uh, one of the, it's been leading into it considering it did have a later start. So I think we're five episodes in now. And so far, I have not disliked a single part about it. Maybe the pacing, but even then, that is just so minuscule in comparison to all the things that this adaptation has been nailing and been doing right. This is definitely the series that I was extremely glad that I was able to get in on the ground floor. I haven't read any of Tatsuki Fujimoto's yet outside of his one-shots, considering that Goodbye Eri is easily, like, one of my favorite pieces of fiction, period, that has come out in the past year. It is really up there. At some point, I do believe that I'm going to be reading Fire Punch, which was his previous manga, and I'm really curious to see how that's going to translate into what exactly Chainsaw Man has been doing, because I believe Chainsaw Man began publication back in 2018, and I don't know... Like, there's a lot of stuff that... It's been a while since I've been able to go through and revisit it, so even though I know what's going to be happening in the major pieces and the major events that's going to be pushing forward, and I kind of have an idea where they're going to end this season, I'm just really excited to see how the rest of this is going to play out, because this is really being played out like a Coen Brothers movie or like a Tarantino movie. The cinematography's great. The way that, where it was just like, yeah, people can say that the pacing is a little awkward considering that they covered just one chapter in the first episode, but if there was ever going to be a chapter that actually gets an entire episode adapted to it, it would definitely be the first one, considering that it did a really good job bringing people into the world settling out its rules, giving the opportunity for us to not really, to not only emphasize the main character, but kind of just get an idea about what he wants and what he went through and why he deserves to have a better life in one that, in a world that is completely unforgiving and doesn't give a shit about him or any of the people that he knows. But so far, 
I don't know. I don't really know what to say about Chainsaw Man. All I know is that considering how high my expectations were since the onset about a year ago, I'm really excited to say that they are not exactly living up to the expectations, but they're not just... Eh, fuck it. They're totally living up to expectations. I really do love and enjoy this series. There has not been a bad episode yet, and I'm really curious to see what the rest of the fights are going to be leading into the second half of the first season. I know that a lot of people are going to be disappointed, especially with now they know exactly who Denji is, what the just style and theming for the show is, especially like the grungy aesthetic that's been leading into it. I do believe that the color palette is a little bit muted, but the way that the characters are able to interact and just show what their dynamic brings to the fold adds so much color to this franchise as a whole. And I'm just still excited to see what exactly is going to be happening and what and how they adapt to the earlier parts of this series, because like I said before, it's still been about four years since I've touched any of the parts of this initial story. And I'm really excited to see how they're going to be able to go through and push the rest of this series forward and how exactly MAPPA's bet with how this series is going to do not only financially, but just as a notoriety piece as well at inside the worldwide market. Because they put a lot down in order to fund and just solely and be the sole proprietor of this series as a whole. And so I'm really hoping that for that at least, because the first half of this has still been a really exceptional adaptation, I'm just hoping that just because it's exceptional now, that the sales that it brings and how much they're actually going to be able to make off of this huge gamble, I hope that at the end of the day, it's going to live up to the expectations and give them more than enough of a reason to continue on and have the proper confidence to continue on the series. Because I know that they're going to be doing more than one season, especially with how much they've been able to invest in it. It just all depends on how much that investment is going to come and how early the returns are going to be able to show. Is it going to be a late bloomer, which is definitely something that I would imagine the production heads at MAPPA wouldn't want. They want to see results off the bat. They want to see it being a success. And they do have a way to scapegoat a lot of the staff that is going to be able to go through if this doesn't live up to the expectations and the money that they're hoping to get out of this series. But if what they've been able to show so far is any indication of the quality of what this adaptation is going to be able to accomplish leading into the second half, I'm more than confident with what they're going to be able to do, especially with the fights that are going to be pushing forward, as well as the revelations, as well as the stories, and as well as the people who are going to be invested in what this story is going to have to offer. I don't know what else to say other than I believe in Chainsaw Man. All right, well, no, nah, I'm not going to jinx myself here. I'm just going to see what I'm going to be able to do since I was able to at least now find a bed and I know where I'm going to be staying for the next couple of weeks and I don't know how many episodes I'm going to be able to get up by the end of the year, but at least now that I've been able to go back and get into the swing of things, I should be confident enough to move this forward and have the opportunity to get out and spend the ideas that I wanted to talk about back in October, but only time will tell. We'll see. All right. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you.